0: Chapter 7, begin reading with verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meat. Behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, he stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. He said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. are forgiven for she loved much but to whom little is forgiven the same loveth little and he said unto her thy sins are forgiven and they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves who is this that forgiveth sins also and he said to the woman thy faith has saved thee go in peace may we pray Our Father, I thank you for the Word of God. I thank you for another opportunity I have to preach. Lord, uh, without you now I can do nothing. But I desire to be a vessel that you could fill and use. And I pray the Spirit of God would enable me and to be a blessing and help to your people. You know every need in every heart. I pray those needs would be met. Lord, strengthen me and help me today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Talk to you about uh, God's forgiveness. Uh, It means the giving up of resentment or claim to requital on account of an offense. It means to send away. It means to pardon, to absolve, to cease to feel resentment against. And I like the uh, definition the little boy gave better than any. It is the scent that flowers give when they are trampled on. Think of that. It's the scent that flowers give off when they're trampled on. That's forgiveness. Here we have this wonderful story of Jesus forgiving this sinful woman. And he illustrates it by the creditor that had two debtors. One owes ten times as much as the other. But let's notice some things about God's forgiveness today. Uh, The basis of God's forgiveness. First of all, He forgives us because of His compassion. In the book of Psalms 78, I want to read uh, two or three verses in Psalm 78. And I'll tell you the page number, page 637. 637. Psalm 78 and verse 36. He's talking about Israel here. The Bible says, Nevertheless they did flatter him with their mouth, and they lied unto him with their tongues. For their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away did not stir up all his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passes away and cometh not again. Well, they were sinful and wicked, but God forgave them anyway because of his compassion. I read a story about uh, uh, this, uh, the Chinese. They, They thought this missionary was trying to teach the Chinese the the gospel message, and they thought that, uh, uh, that it was unmanly to forgive. And uh, there, so the, uh, this missionary lady, this Chinese lady, was trying to explain forgiveness to, to the people. And says, You, when you're sick, you come to our hospital. And we treat you and we make you well again. And then you go out and you criticize us and lie about us, talk about us. And then you get sick again and you come back and we treat you again and we make you well. We do it over and over. She said, That is forgiveness. That's the way God does us, isn't it? God's compassion. Psalm 86, 5, For thy, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all that call upon him. I'm glad God's ready to forgive. We don't have to trick God or persuade God to forgive us. He said, I'm ready to forgive you. You know, I'm glad anybody that wants to be saved can be saved. Uh, If they have not crossed the line, of course, I believe. We'll talk about that later. But uh, I believe God's ready and willing to forgive. I think of this uh, bin Laden, who is certainly off the deep end, to say the least, religiously. He thinks he's doing the will of God. It shows how deceived people can become. But you know, if that man, after all the evil that he has committed or, or sponsored anyway, if that man would humble himself before God and repent and ask God to forgive him, he could be forgiven. He could. A lot of, a lot of Americans don't want him to be. We're kind of like Jonah. We do not we, we, we want, we want God to forgive him. But I want to tell you, he could be forgiven. If he'd, if he'd turn his heart to God... Uh, the chances of that happening are very slim, I realize that, but God can do anything. And God is willing to forgive any sin. Except one, we'll talk about later. He said, They are good and ready to forgive and plenies in mercy unto all that call upon him. He forgives because of his compassion. He forgives because of the condition of men. Here we have this example the Lord gave about a creditor that has two debtors. One owes five hundred pence and the other fifty. One owes ten times as much as the other. But the Bible says when they had when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Now, if you're broke, it don't make any difference if you owe a million dollars or a hundred dollars. You don't have any money. The old saying, you can't get blood out of a turnip. Well, they had nothing to pay, so he frankly forgave them both. I love that story. I like the song, I owed a debt I could not pay. But Jesus Christ, he came and paid the debt. And I'm glad of that. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. O Lamb of God, I come. How can a person believe that they can earn their salvation when we have nothing to, we have nothing to offer God? We have nothing to buy with. All their righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Man at his best state is altogether vanity. If you gathered up all of their goodness, not their not sins, all of their goodness, it would not buy us one day in heaven, not one second in heaven the condition of men. In Luke chapter 5, you have uh, the story of the paralyzed man, the paralytic. And they go to, they, these four men get him and bring him to Jesus. And when they get there, the house is full and they can't get in. So they go up on the roof of the house. And of course, in that country, the, uh, the houses are flat-topped. And, and they go up on the roof of the house and and tear tear a hole in the roof and let him down. And Jesus, looking up, saw their faith. Not the paralyzed man's faith. He saw their faith and says, Man, thy sins be forgiven thee. And he heals the man. And God performs two great miracles in that story there. But the illustration is, here's a man that can't help himself. God forgives us because we cannot, we cannot do it ourselves. God saves us by grace because there's no other way we could get saved. There's no other way we could go to heaven. If God had not paid the debt for us, we'd be lost forever with no hope of being saved. Wouldn't it be awful to be born into a world of sin, a world of dying, and realize that it was a hopeless situation? No way to do anything about it. Here's a man paralyzed. No way to get to Jesus. Unless somebody takes him to Jesus. You know that's the condition of lost people. Some people take the attitude. They know where the church is. If they want to get saved, let them come. That's not what Jesus told us, though, was it? He says, you go get them. You bring them. You go tell them. And that's what we're to be doing. The condition of men. He forgives us because of his compassion. He forgives us because of our condition that we're unable to help ourselves and save ourselves. He forgives us for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. Ephesians 4:32. God for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. The basis of my forgiveness is the blood of Jesus. We've been singing about today. The price has been paid. Because of what was accomplished at Calvary's cross by Jesus Christ, I can be forgiven of my sin. You see, I can't go to heaven unless I get my sin paid for. How do I get my sin paid for? Through Jesus Christ. God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Colossians 1.14 says almost the same thing. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. First John 2.12 said, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. This dear lady, this dear saint of God lay dying and the local priest who believed that no one could go to heaven unless he unlocked the door went to see the lady. And he said, I've come to grant you absolution. She said, what is that? (laughs) He said, I've come to forgive you of your sin. She said, let me see your hands. He reached out his hands and she looked at his hands and said, Sir, you are an imposter. And he was offended and said, what do you mean I'm an imposter? She said, the one who forgives my sin has nail prints in his hands. Where are the nail prints in your hands? Now I want to say today, the one who forgives me of my sin has the nail wounds or the nail prints in his hands. By the way, they're not scars as some Psalms tell us. They're wounds, the Bible says. When Jesus comes back, and Israel, who does not know Jesus Christ now, but when He comes back, they will ask the question, What are these wounds in Thine hands? And they'll see the holes where the nails went in His hands. And they'll realize they crucified the Son of God. He forgives us for Christ's sake. That's the basis of our forgiveness. Then he forgives us when we confess our sins. Proverbs 28, 13, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. In 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That word confess means that I say the same thing God says about it. I agree with God. I don't try to excuse it. I don't try to justify it. I say, Lord, you're right and I'm wrong. I acknowledge it. I admit it. I confess it. It's not naming every sin you've ever committed. If if that's what it means, none of us are going to heaven. Can you remember every sin you've ever done? The Bible said uh, the thought of foolishness is sin. Even if you think wrong, that's a sin. Every eye of the word that men shall speak they'll give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Can you remember every, every word you've ever spoken? No. But I confess my sin. I acknowledge. I own up to my sin. Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm wrong. I need forgiveness. God said if you'll do that, He'll forgive you. But if you cover it, you'll not prosper. Turn to 2 Chronicles 6. 2 Chronicles chapter 6, page uh, 495. 495. Aren't you glad you got a Schofield Bible? And I'm not in the business selling Schofield Bibles. (laughs) The only reason I like it, not the only reason, but the main reason I like it is because I can tell you what page it's on. But uh, 2 Chronicles 6, verse 21. Now, Here we have Solomon's prayer of dedication of the temple. And he asked God six times in this chapter for God's forgiveness. Verse 6 talks about when thy hearest forgive. Verse 25, and hear thy from the heavens and forgive the sin of thy people Israel. Verse 27, then hear thy from heaven and forgive the sin of thy servants and of thy people Israel. Verse 30, Then hear thy from heaven, thy dwelling place, and forgive, and so forth. And then in verse number 39, he asked the same thing, basically. And forgive thy people which have sinned against thee. Six times he asked God to forgive them. And then in verse chapter 7 of 2 Chronicles and verse number 12, and the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain. If I command the locusts to devour the land or if I send pestilence among my people. Now notice, he said, if the drought comes, if the insects come and eat the crops up, if the disease comes and the pestilence comes, if my people... Which are called by my name shall humble themselves. Now this has been preached many, many times in revival meetings, and it's applicable, certainly speaking to Israel here, but it's applicable to you and I. You know, you know where revival needs to start, it needs to start with God's people. If this nation is to be spared, it'll have to begin at the house of God. Will they turn him back to God of his people? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. We become very proud and haughty. Shall humble themselves and pray. I've been noticing as I've been driving along the highways uh, how many signs there are. I, I, one thing I've been noticing is the American flags. Everywhere you look, and I think that's good. I've got a, My wife stuck that on my jacket today. And... Uh, I think it's good to be patriotic. I I love America. I'd rather be here than anywhere in the world. Even with the problems of America, I love this country. And I I think patriotism is good. So I've been seeing a lot of flags. Then I've been noticing signs. Pray for America. Pray for America. That's good. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. Listen, if my people, the only ones that can get through to God is God's people. Listen, people that are lost, can't, you know, they can't get through to the Lord because of the barrier of sin. And if we're saved and have unconfessed sin in our life, we can't get through either. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If I have unconfessed sin, I can't get my prayers answered. He said, If my people shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and seek my face. If we're going to be successful in this war on terrorism, we're going to need God. And if we don't realize that, we're going to learn the hard way. Russia spent 10 years in Afghanistan and left with a lot of their weapons behind. No success, very limited success anyway, no no victory. And we're going to meet the same faith if we don't have God going with us. If my people shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, Now, we don't want to hear that. But that's what God said about it, whether we want to hear it or not. He's talking to Israel there, if my people, and it can be applied to God's people today, which I believe is the believer, the Christian, we need to turn from our wicked ways. We need to set the example for the rest of the world to follow. You know why many people won't come to church? Why they don't have any confidence in the God that we proclaim is because they don't see the, they don't see the effect that it ought to have on their life. If we in the Bible says, Let everyone in the name of the name of Christ depart from iniquity. If we're going to proclaim the name of Christ, we need to live like a Christian. And you don't get to heaven by, by living a good life. You get to heaven by trusting Jesus Christ. But if you have Jesus inside of you, if, if we, let me not say it is you, if we have Jesus within our life, in our heart, we ought to be changed by it. If my people will turn from their wicked ways, God says, This is what I do, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. That's what God said. Now mine ears. Now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attended to the prayer that's made in this place. God said, "I'm going to be listening, and I'm going to see if you'll do what I told you to do. God's forgiveness. In 1830, George Wilson, a man named George Wilson was arrested for mail theft. And in those days, the penalty was hanging. President Andrew Jackson gave Wilson a pardon, but he refused to accept it. Chief Justice John Marshall of the Supreme Court said the pardon is a slip of paper, the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person to be pardoned. If it is refused, it is no pardon. He must be hanged, and they hanged him. But he could have been free. It's kind of like the fellow I used to have a radio program when I was pastoring Maiden and the local station there, and I went on Saturday morning and preached live in the station. We became friends, or got to know the announcer there, and he said, uh, "He said, didn't Jesus die for everybody?" I said, "That's right." He said, "Well, then everybody's saved." I said, no, that's not right. He paid the debt. He purchased salvation. He paid for everybody's sins, but it must be received. The worst sinner. You know, Jesus died for everybody. He died for the sins of the world, the Bible says. But it must be accepted to be valid. The extent of God's forgiveness. I've got to hurry. I'm about out of time. Psalm 103, verse 3, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities? Jeremiah 31, 34, I will forgive their iniquity, remember their sin no more. Colossians two thirteen. having forgiven you all trespasses, the extent of God's forgiveness, God, God's grace, God's forgiveness reaches from the uttermost to the uttermost. Someone said from the uttermost to the guttermost. God's forgiveness reaches to all sin except one. And that's the limit. There is a limit to God's forgiveness. Why don't you turn to Matthew 12. A controversial subject, but I think the Bible gives us clear teaching of what he's talking about. In Matthew 12, verse 31, page 1013. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be, be forgiven unto men... But the blaspheme against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Now most commentators you'll read will say that sin could only be committed in that dispensation, in that day. It cannot be committed now. And then there are other uh, explanations. Some say this sin is the sin of rejecting Christ because the only sin God will not forgive you if you reject Christ. The others say this sin is some sin like uh, suicide because if you commit suicide, you've killed yourself and how can you be forgiven? You're dead. You You don't have an opportunity to ask God to forgive you. The same argument could be made. The Bible said the thought of foolishness is sin. What if you have a foolish thought and die for you can get forgiven, him, forgiven for it? What happens to you? Now I question anybody's true salvation that would engage in suicide if they have the right mind. I would, I would question seriously if that person saved. But it's the, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is not suicide. It is not unbelief. uh, And it is not a lot of other explanations. It's exactly what it says it is. Whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. What is it? It is speaking against the Holy Spirit in a blasphemous way. Now blaspheme is Used in Scripture means to speak evil of. Jude 8, Ephesians 4.31 means to rail, 1 Timothy 6.4, 2 Peter 3.11. Means to revile, Matthew 27 39. Means to defame, 1 Corinthians 4.13, to slander, Romans 3 8, or to insult by blaspheming, here we have in our scripture here. And it is speaking, I believe, against the Holy Spirit in a way to where the Holy Spirit no longer deals with a person to convict them and bring them to Christ. I used to go to church with a man. He had a testimony. He said, I want to tell you what happened to me. He said, I was in, I think, a revival or service, whatever, and God was dealing with hearts and People was being convicted. and He said, I was under conviction, but I didn't want to be saved. I was young, and I wanted to live in sin. And, and he said, I said to the Holy Spirit, get away from me and leave me alone. And he says, when I said that, he said, every bit of conviction left me I had no desire for God. I had no desire for salvation. And for 20-some years, God never dealt with me one time. But he says, God in mercy gave me another opportunity. He says, when God convicted my heart, I was ready to be saved. Now, that man did not blaspheme the Holy Spirit, but I think it illustrates what happens when a person does. J. Harold Smith has a message on that. You may have heard him preach. I've heard him preach it in person, God's Three Deadlines. He tells about different ones that blaspheme the Holy Spirit. But it I believe is is speaking, is speaking against the Holy Spirit that is dealing with us to the point that he doesn't deal with us anymore. Now, in Mark chapter 3, Mark chapter 3, he deals with the same subject, but he gives us a little more insight. And bear with me, I'm winding down here pretty quick. Mark chapter 3, and uh, verse 28, that's page 1049. 1049. Verse 28, Verily I say unto you, All sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blaspheme is wherewithsoever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Hath never forgiveness. And he tells us why, listen, verse 30, Because they said, because they said he hath an unclean spirit. They said he cast out devils through the power of bills above, or the devil. You know what they call the Holy Spirit? They said the Holy Spirit is the devil. And the Holy Spirit left them alone. They blasphemed the Holy Spirit, Bible says here, because they said he hath an unclean spirit. Ascribing to Satan the works of the Spirit and identifying the Holy Spirit as the devil. And they crossed the line. The limit. Forgiveness must be received in this life. There is no hope beyond the grave. There's no purgatory to go to. There's no purgatory to get prayed out of. There's no absolving of sins by men there's no hope beyond the grave. Sometimes people have, in fact, people have asked me in, in times gone by if I would pray for their loved one that had died. There is no forgiveness beyond the grave. Forgiveness must be received in this life. Revelation 20 to 11, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. God's forgiveness. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. To know that I'll never stand before God and have to be judged for my sins because Jesus Christ was judged in my place God's forgiveness is a wonderful, wonderful precious thing but there is a limit just one, only one God will forgive any other sin no matter what it is he'll forgive it Spare us heads